She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. Usually, uh, the weather vein of our relationship. I get the I get the sense of the wind way faster and way earlier than Alistair. We we now know this, so it's it's we kind of play with it. It's still hard to tell though when it's a coming storm and when it's just your your like kindly nightly gale. You know, enough of it can go by where you convince me to change, and then you can be back at a different position. And and it's like, what? What the hell is that? <laughs> a lot of the times that I, or at least for me, when I get have emotional reactions or I'm upset, is when my expectations of a situation are different than what is actually happening, which is pretty much all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me on my bed watching videos on YouTube or podcasts pretty much all day, interspersed with naps, chocolate, uh, chocolate raspberries, news, like food, food, like as a hoarding too. Like, <laughs> I like to eat when no one sees me and like just over preparing, over nesting. And so she looks like a rat in a cargo hole. <laughs> Well, hello, beautiful listener, and welcome to a brand new episode of File Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. (laughs) 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 Um, Welcome, and today, well, we have a episode, a different kind of episode than we usually do, and I think we're both really happy with the way it came out. It was fun. I was a little more unstructured. Julie Roxanne went in without any notes. Uh, usually, I have we have pages of notes. Yeah. Uh, I just confined myself to one post-it note. I, that's the least. That's like how how little he was able to go. He couldn't do. No I would notes. panic with no plan. Yeah, just yeah. no plan. No, that's it's terrifying. That's too hard. Like deer in the headlights. <laughs> Today we wanted to explore a little bit, maybe reflect on what's been going on for us in the last few weeks and talking about how we deal with changing visions. Yeah, and I think navigating, how how we navigate life, both as partners, newly newlyweds. Oh my God. And as business partners. Yeah. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. Good morning, Julie Roxanne. (laughs) took so long for you to come out, come out with it. It's hard to break patterns. <laughs> it's hard to break patterns. It is hard to break patterns. You're There's right. something invisible inside that wants me to keep going. And today I was just like, you know what? No. I also wasn't feeling it today. So I'm glad we're on the same page. Hi, Alistair. Hi, listener. Hello. Hi and welcome. It's wonderful to have you here. Yeah. Just get comfortable. Yeah. We are. We've got our teas. And uh, you'll be happy to know that we don't have that much plan for this episode. I don't know. Will people be happy to know? <laughs> we got a uh, we got a suggestion from our editor, and it feels really fancy to say that. So I'll say it again from our editor. <laughs> <laughs> and and he suggested, Roche suggested that uh, 
Perhaps we try uh, doing one more, one that's a bit more impromptu. We're coming off the back of two uh, two episodes telling the Nepali story about mm-hmm. walking through the Himalayas, which has been quite an effort to kind of. That was over two years ago. Uh, yeah. It was a very rich story, and it's very important to us. It had a lot of parts to it, so there's been a lot of effort in it. And uh, I think this kind of also goes in. It, it was a good suggestion at a good time. We actually started. Uh, this podcast doing impromptu and we kind of moved to a more planned one mm-hmm. but uh, I think we're at kind of a point right now in the podcast and in our lives in a lot of ways where it feels like change is kind of knocking on the door yeah in a lot of ways I definitely feel like it's a it's a turning point and I have been feeling it for a while now there's been this sense like that the fall the fall is going to be like a, a pivotal, pivotal moment. Can't remember when I started feeling this way, but it definitely it has that feel. I'm doing things these days of as like, oh, it could be the last time I do this. It could be that you know. And so we wanted to come on today and have a pretty open-hearted and authentic conversation about where we're at, but mainly wanting to talk about how we navigate like changing visions as a couple and as business partners and just explore how we navigate this. And maybe there are ways that this can relate to your life, listener, um, but also just wanting to give you a little window on how we do things. The last few weeks particularly have been challenging for us and we've had to devote a lot of time and energy and patience to exploring this terrain for us of change because a few things are all coming together at the same time. For one, we're in the process of selling the caravan, or at least trying to. Pause for emphasis. Can we play some sad music, Roche? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we are thinking about selling it we're in the process of selling it it's we've it's had like, someone come look at it and um it's very possible that we'll sell it and uh maybe move move out in a, a month a month and a half it's kind of been um we've kind of converged on this point in a lot of ways but i think the general feeling which i'm feeling in a few areas of my life at the moment uh is that we've outgrown it mm, yeah and that's a bit of a surprise we actually expected this caravan. I mean, in the beginning, it was a little bit different, the vision, but we expected to live in this caravan for maybe the next five years. Yeah. And within a, a year of finishing it, maybe a year and a half of taking on the project, we've realized uh, we think it's time to move on. Yeah, it's, you know, it's been a lot of change. There's been a lot of change this year. Um, there's been... Everything that this podcast has brought, the businesses that we've started. So like this year is the official year we've started businesses together and also on our on our own. But our lives are so intertwined that, you know, you have impact on my business and vice versa. So we're both very involved with each other's businesses. Um, yeah. And and I think I don't want to avoid the elephant in the room here because I think that's for me, that was the biggest catalyst is we got married this year. And another big change. 
Honestly, someone sent me an email the other day and called it like, congratulations on the life, life changing life change. And I was like, yep, yeah, that's, that's about how that sums it up. Um, it's, I did not expect that it would just cause this much ripple, um, into so many different areas of myself and of our work and of our life. It's only been like really, for me, it's been really positive. I feel like it's just made us grow a lot in a very short amount of time. But it's definitely just, I think this is what we want to explore today is how do you make sure you stay connected with a partner on so many fronts when everything is changing so fast and most of the time you don't even know what's happening. You know, like change is easy to look back on and I feel like, I'm coming slowly out of the woods and I can start to look back on what just happened. But um, like this summer would have been impossible for me to articulate any of this. Something else that's been happening for both of us and definitely me, uh, particularly at this moment, is that I've realized a lot of my goals for this year. Business related, I've realized a lot of my early goals. Also, we got married. That was obviously like a bit a big thing this year. Um, we finished the caravan and really finished it right before the year started. And a lot of the things I've been working toward have happened. Mm. We led our first retreat over the summer. I've been coaching people. We have a, a growing and and thriving small podcast produ- production company. Yeah. And again, it feels, you know, I, I have this kind of vision of there's a lot of... Uh, there's still some butterflies and stuff. It's late summer here, but we're, we still have a fair amount of butterflies. And it's almost like a molting. It's like the old shell has just been a little too constrictive. At first, it was like protective and helpful, and it helped me kind of grow. Mm. And it's reached a point where now it's kind of too tight, and I have to like get out of it. And uh, I think that's a bit of a painful process of getting out of the shell. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you're kind of vulnerable and sensitive and you know, you don't, your, your new shell is not quite there and uh, you're not quite sure. It, you're a little bit more raw. Mm. And I've noticed that come as a feeling for me as, you know, I'm just, the last few weeks, it's been a bit of a, it's been a bit of a grind. Like I, I've been, I've been keeping myself busy and trying to do things, but not wanting to do things. And I'm half as effective as I would be otherwise. I just, kind of the gas has kind of ran out a little bit and uh, I'm feeling a little less motivated and like and I, and I had this kind of idea in my head at the beginning of the year is like you know summer's going to be like we're going to have to push through there's the wedding there's all these things and then you know in the fall we'll rest and now that's here and we actually have some time to rest and uh, I'm resisting it a little yeah. bit I want to keep going like what's the next thing but you know like that well is kind of dry right now mm-hmm. and uh and I think I need to let it recharge. Yeah. Since we've come back from the U.S., I think we've been back in France for three weeks. That's it. It feels literally like we've been back for two months already. I feel like we've done a lot of things and we've not necessarily on the work front, but on the chiseling the vision and getting some clarity on where we want to go next and what is the next step for us. It's been huge. And honestly, 
I think there's always some element of that because we're always trying to make a big priority on communication and making sure that we stay connected on things. And we talk a lot. We talk probably more than the average couple. We, we make, we make a big commitment in doing that. And we've created a life around that as well. But man, this last three weeks, I cannot count how many hours we've spent talking about like having sometimes painful conversations where we both would like them to be easier and maybe to give some context uh, is relating particularly to the caravan is we had this sense ever since we were uh, when we were in the U.S. this summer. And as we were getting ready to come back to France, we had this sense that Coming back to France was going to be the time where we needed to figure out what we wanted to do with the caravan and what we wanted to do once we no longer live in the caravan. And both of those were super big unknowns. I think that what came up for me around the summer was this pretty strong intuition that we needed to leave, um, that this place might be getting a little too small and not serving what we want to do next. And I think you were not quite there yet, or you, you, this was not how you felt. And I actually don't really know if this is really how you feel now or, or how you feel about it right now. And maybe you can like explore a little bit that. Yeah, no, I think I, I think it is more how I feel now yeah. than, than it was. But yeah, I was a little more resistant to it. I feel like we had not that long ago finished the caravan. It was a, it was, Living in the caravan was a way to add less complexity to our life when there was a lot of complexity in, in other areas. Mm. But as we came back, I think it started to become more and more obvious in different ways that we were outgrowing it. And actually, I think the moment where it really, really hit me was, so we showed, uh, we showed the caravan to a, a guy from Paris, Jean-Baptiste. And uh, he, his kind of backstory was he was basically like designing houses for really rich people, mm. like millionaires and billionaires. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was tired of it. I think he'd been doing it for 10 years or something. Uh, no, not that long. Ah. No, no. He, he, he was like a traveling woods worker. Okay, uh, and he's a carpenter he, type. Yeah, and then he took this job maybe a year ago. Okay, all right. So he hasn't been doing that long. But he's been in Paris and he's been doing this and he's, he's just tired of it. It's not very fulfilling and... He's looking for a way out, and he's got a friend in the Alps with some land who's invited him onto it, and he's looking for somewhere to live in it or something to live on it. And he came, and, and we ended up talking for maybe an hour, hour and a half over, over some coffee, and one of the things he said was, you know, for him, that influenced him in thinking he needs to do something like this was his friend had a fish in a fishbowl. Hmm. And he he changed the he moved it he upgraded to an aquarium so it was a bigger bowl basically and the fish started to grow mm. and Jean Baptiste noticed this and he looked at his friend and he's like do you think humans are like that too and it was like the perfect story for us right yeah. now because he was saying that about getting the caravan like yeah. he needed a, a bigger fish bowl and when he said that, I was like. Yeah, that's exactly this this fishbowl has become a little too small for us. Mm, yeah. And I didn't see it coming. And I think that's been a bit surprising. And I think uh, parts of me have been very resistant to that because I kind of counted on on this for longer. Mm. Yeah, and, and 
it's emotional. Uh, I've been, I've been, despite the fact that it was probably in the beginning more, not my idea, but the, the intuition came through me first that like we were outgrowing it. I'm usually, uh, the weather vane of our relationship. I get the, I get the sense of the wind way faster and we're earlier than Alistair. We've, we now know this. So it's, it's, we kind of play with it. It's still hard to tell though when it's a coming storm and when it's just your, your like kindly nightly gale. You know? <laughs> like, it's, t- it's still tough to figure out the difference. Uh, yeah. I like that. I like that we don't take every little signal seriously either. Um, I think it, it's. I think I'm actually, more of a brick house. <laughs> that's actually been. A, that's actually a great point because one thing that's been really hard for me this summer was getting to trust myself on this, and you know, like not suppressing this feeling that I had on account of like, oh, but you know, maybe it's just me being a little. I don't know, whimsical. That doesn't work. That word doesn't work. Like. Uh, flaky or I don't know wanting to change just for the sake of change yeah, or, jumpy. Yeah, yeah like something like that I think I was um I was pretty harsh about judge like judging myself like that because also one of the ways you are able to make decisions which is not the way I make decision is uh you're pretty rational and you like to have all the facts lined up and and you know understanding the why uh, maybe in a more rational way. And the other, the other thing about this, which is why we've used like the sailboat and the cruise liner metaphor for us in the past, is that it's tough to get me to a new point of view or a new posi- not a new point of view, but like a new position. Mm-hmm. Like for example, selling the caravan. Yeah. I'm going to be slow to move that to that decision. Yeah. But then I'm going to be slow to move off of it too. And you skip around quite a bit. Like you can, you can change, like you can change your decision, like almost like overnight, basically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's, it can be disorienting for me and frustrating. And then you can get, you know, enough of it can go by where you convince me to change and then you can be back at a different position. And and it's like, what, what the hell is that? (laughs) So this is something we've, uh, I, I think I've also had to learn to trust you on those feelings and and I think the only you know it's a dialogue because you're because it's sometimes it is an overreaction right but sometimes it is that I'm just not sensitive enough to what's happening mm. so I think we become better as a team of sensing when it's right usually for both of us and this is partly because we have shared goals values and vision when it's time to to move on and that's been hard for me to not totally be in control of that and also kind of trust your intuition when it's when it's acting up before mine's even like registered anything. Yeah. And I think in this case, I would have stayed a little longer. You might have left a little earlier. Or I, I actually think we're probably leaving when you would have left. I'm not sure we're leaving much faster, mm. but we're we're kind of going with you on this one. And as we've worked through things the last three weeks, I would say in particular. I've come to the conclusion too that I think you're on to something on this. This is right. This is what we should be doing. But that's been tough. And it's taken a lot of energy and a lot of conversations. And it's taken a lot of being very uncomfortable in those conversations. Yeah. I'm, I'm usually a part of my role in our relationship. And it's one that I, I'm, I'm happy with is uh, maybe being more of the bridge builder. 
um, I, I think you are usually on board with with what I'm offering uh, when I come and get you and say and like try to initiate a conversation that you can tell is not going to be fun or you know like that is going to be usually those conversations are draining a lot of the time I, they can also feel very rejuvenating we've had a conversation like two days ago about like vision and and um We've had a lot of conversation about visions over yeah. the last couple of weeks. And some of them is about how we're reacting to how we're sharing our visions to each other. One of the things we realized the other day was I get a lot of, I've been getting a lot of stress and anxiety sometimes with visions you share that are very far off. One thing I've noticed about myself is I'm very very good at building visions. Mm. I am excellent at it. It's a job I love to do. Uh I'm not very good at changing visions. <laughs> and I think you are very good at trying on a lot of different visions and like kind of, and also at, at projecting, this is where it gets a little tricky, but basically what we realized was that I was getting very triggered with the way you were sharing some of your visions to me. And I think, and this is a connection we literally made two days ago, I think, mm. was we realized, you know, I worked for most of my 20s in a COO role, in an operations role. And the way uh, my partners and, and my bosses, usually the CEO, approached me was we'd have these quote-unquote vision meetings. And by the end of them, and they would throw out these crazy numbers or crazy direct new directions, right, than where we were going. And mm -hmm. it was pull that is going to have a lot of, and my mind works and this is why I'm a CEO this is usually why I take on these roles and my mind works in a very specific way where you tell me a vision and I'm already like 10 steps to like I, I'm looking at where we are where that vision is and I'm building a whole path there and when it gets very stressful for me is when you tell me a vision that I'm not clear on the steps or that I can't build that because I just it's just there's no way for me not to do it. It's like, you just, you tell me and then foosh, I'm mm. thinking, where are we and how we can get there? And it happens really fast in my head and it goes very far out. Yeah. And this is, uh, can be a skill, but it was also a major stressor. And in my 20s, I was often in the position where I would have visions pitched to me or told, basically people would try to persuade me of their visions because then I was going to be the one responsible for realizing them. Mm -hmm. That was my role. And so it was always very stressful because whenever I talked about a vision, it was my responsibility and what I was going to be paid to do to realize it. And so that puts you in a position of usually being the no man or the how are we going to do that. Yeah, The, the, the person that has to actually think it through instead of the person who just gets to dream. And that was always really stressful because I didn't want to sign on to a vision because as soon as I did that, it's like, great. So how are we going to do it? You know, and it would be my responsibility and my job would rely on it. My, my pay would rely on it, you know? And I think we realized that there was still some of like some of that trauma basically. That, or, that does sound really, really stressful. Yeah. And it was, and it was in high pressure kind of environments, right? Where, you also have a team and you have, uh, uh, you know, you, you have an organization you're going to have to steer that way and resources you're going to have to divvy up. And we realized I was doing that with you. Yeah. And I mean, I think this is this is one point, one key message of what we're saying today is that one of the ways 
that we navigate those changing visions is by communicating. And I know, yeah, it sounds like, oh, great, that that sounds like a really novel idea to communicate as a couple, but it seems like a lot of people know it, but don't do it. it this is like, this is the core thing that we do all the time. And this realization that you just shared would not have happened if we didn't have a two and a half hour conversation that was painful and uncomfortable. But at the same time, man, when you shared that, when we both realized that this is what has been going on, it's like all of a sudden in my head, it explains so many little things that I've been feeling that I couldn't really understand why I was feeling this way. Like feeling like, you know, this sense that I was battling an, a, an invisible force when I was just brainstorming and sharing my visions because that's how I, that's how I do my visions. Like that's, I literally have to think out loud. I also gather a lot of information from the outside world. I follow a lot of different people with different lifestyles than us that are inspiring to me. And then I make like a, a, a kind of mix of this. And then that's kind of a vision that if it seems inspiring, I'll pursue for a while. And when I say pursue, it just means I state the vision and then I continue on doing my life the way, you know, it's like, I can't line up the steps like you do. And it seems like that was the invisible force I was battling. And and we realized that the way you were vis- using vision or the way you were approaching this was more convergent. Mm. It, it, or it, it was, you would look at you, you kind of model things far out. Yeah. And then you kind of go in that direction. And for me, that's really stressful if I don't have a path to that idea. For me, it's much more emergent. I look at my current situation and see what's possible from there. And like, what can I do from this? And that's really inspiring and that's a lot of fun. And I can go really far out with that too. I can go 10, 25 years. I I can do that. But if I'm just looking outside of me, for visions that are not particularly related to my life and then trying to like achieve that that feels like a job that that's stressful that that feels a lot like being the COO and you really had to tell me the other day you're not the COO you don't have to be the COO of this and it, I think I didn't realize that or it's not something that I was consciously thinking yeah but it has given some space when I realized, like, oh, man, that was my job for a long time. And it's hard, like there was kind of an invisible force with some of these conversations where that got me, like, pretty upset. Yeah. And uh, triggered, basically. And uh, I think there's something here between that and that. And it doesn't mean we figured it out. And not we didn't really come up with a strategy for how to avoid that. But I think being aware of it has given some space. And it's also meant that there's certain things that we don't attribute to the other person, which has been important because a lot of these conversations, for example, a lot of them are initiated by you. And again, this is me, uh, something, it's something I appreciate and it's a power you have uh, to like start building the bridge. And then you recruit other people in to build their side of the bridge. (laughs) And I get really pissed at you (laughs) when you do that. Cause you know, I want to keep doing whatever we're doing. It's like, let's stay the course. Let's keep, and you're like, no, I think we need to build a bridge. And it's like, ah. And, uh, <laughs> and, but what's been, I think, key in that is recognizing that 
you have some abilities that I don't and that you are, you have these powers and like honoring those and, and not taking out my irritation and anger about having to communicate or explore these things, which are not very easy for me mm-hmm. and do not come as naturally in some ways that they do for you on you is like, it's not turning it on you. The thing that I think allows us to have these conversations, that's almost a something foundational that you almost have to work on first if you can't do if you don't have this first is like the communication tools to have difficult sensitive and intense conversations about things that are unclear and changing and feel high stakes yeah. without being violent toward the other person or or blaming it on the other person i kind of saying like okay here's my shit Here's how, depersonalizing it. Mm -hmm. We have these conversations where so many times I can just imagine if we were less mature in some of the ways we converse or um, I I, I usually imagine it in the form of of another couple, usually one I've seen on TV, any drama will do because all those dramas are model poor communication. Yeah. Any TV shows, they're built on drama. Drama happens from really shitty communication. (laughs) Yes. That's... It's a model. We watch shows these days and we're just like, Jesus, why would you, you know, yeah. like it's, it's bad. The, yeah. But then we start acting like that. I think we start to model this behavior that's really batshit crazy. Yeah. And so I have this imaginary couple sometimes that also has these conversations we have. And there's so many, there's so many chances if you want to just get in a fight about it. And then not only there's none aware, no awareness, you don't build any awareness around the topic. You're not able to trade perspectives but you you actually distance yourself like you take a you kind of destroy the bridge a little bit and you fortify your bank yeah and so i think only this has only been possible because we're able to go into very uncomfortable conversations that we do not know the answers to and we don't even know our own sides to and it's not an argument it's more exploratory and we're able we're able to witness our own emotions about that. And a lot of times those emotions for me feel irritated, angry, annoyed. And it takes a lot of energy and effort to kind of recognize that that's my shit. Yeah. Thanks for that. I think when we started uh, our relationship, I was a lot more unaware of the fact that those emotions were your shit. And so because anger and frustration and irritation were emotions that I didn't have a lot of relationship with and definitely was actively trying to avoid, whenever they would show up, I I would really, really freak out and like take a step back and, you know, kind of shush myself. You know, it's like, oh, I'm, I, I should stop doing whatever I'm doing because he's getting angry. And yeah, and I used to get really like triggered and afraid parts of me would get really afraid when you were like showing anger and i i was also feeling a little confused because for me that was like a big sign of love that i was you know trying to communicate and make sure we were on the same page because i think i'm particularly aware of when we're not on the same page like parts of me have really strong needs for being in constant communication um which has like good sides and bad sides. I think like that, that part of me is uh, a very valuable component of our relationship today. And I really like the way you 
kind of value it and uh, and respect it. And so these days I'm I've done a lot of work with my own stuff with anger and frustration and all that. And even if those emotions in you when I see you getting angry, that still triggers some like exasperation. Can you say that? Like that that I'm like annoyed you know, like, oh, he should be able to get over this by now. Like we, you, we do this all the time. You know, we have those like building bridges, communication all the time. And, and yet like that, that just, that happens. And I think it's, we make a point to have a, a strong sense that we're two individuals with our own stuff going on and that your stuff is not my stuff and vice versa. Because a lot of times it's okay. I mean, if you say, okay, uh, we need to have a talk about this stuff and you let me get annoyed and kind of throw a hissy fit and, and then we move on, yeah, it's fine. Like, I'm, it's, it's like, I think there can be an echo chamber, right? If you don't, then I'll get annoyed that you're not letting me feel my feelings. For sure. And, that, and then we're screwed. We're never going to get to the, we're never going to make it to the conversation you wanted to have. Yeah. But I'm still going to feel those feelings. I still feel that all the time when you do this. It's, it feels like you're pulling me out of something. I want to go a different direction. I don't have the energy for this. Do we really have to have this conversation? <laughs> I'm tired. What the hell are we even talking about? Yeah. Those things all happen. Yeah. But there's another part of me like that that's the instant reaction. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it doesn't come in thoughts. The thoughts come second. It comes in feelings. Yeah. And then the thoughts come. But there's another part of me that says, hey, you know what? A lot of times she's right. A lot of times, a lot of times things are better after this. You've been feeling a little off too. Maybe you want to talk about it. And then there's like, you know, there's a lot of stuff. That's that's my stuff. And when we have trouble is when you react to my emotions as if that's not okay. Yeah. But if you allow me to have those emotions and I'm allowed to be that way, Usually we can have the conversation and I, I'm usually mature enough or able to say, to realize like, okay, well, I'm experiencing these emotions about that. That's not your fault. And here I think is an important insight that the English language is tricky for this. It's not very good in this respect, which is so often we say, you're making me angry. Mm. If you think about that statement, if you think about someone making you anything, you what does that say about your freedom. Yeah. What does that say about your ability to choose your reactions? What does it say about your responsibility in the relationship, in the situation, if someone else is making you something? Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, I think uh, if you look at those situations and if you look at the reality, that's not true. That's not the case. And it's not good language. Uh, it also puts the other person on the defensive. But it's, I, I find it much healthier to, to see it as I'm feeling this way you said something and i'm feeling this way Mm -hmm. it does not mean you're making me anything it means i'm feeling this way Mm -hmm. as long as i can have that kind of perspective we can still have a conversation about it as long as you can accept that i'm feeling that way and not also you know feel like because i'm feeling this way it's making you that way because that can just go on forever Oh, it's like it's like the the hall of mirrors yeah and all of a sudden you don't know what which way is actually not a mirror yeah you know what i mean yeah you mentioned tools uh, earlier that 
we use. And I think one of the biggest tools, maybe the main tool that we use is our language, is our ability to communicate in a way that is not blaming or and and you use the word exploratory which i think is great this is how i feel like we're doing it usually it's like we sit down and uh, we ha both have a headlamp on and we go into dark caves usually we go into our own dark caves because i can't like i can't explore your feelings if you're not doing it we can explore your feelings together and vice versa but i can't go and like pry open into your feelings i can have a hunch i can have an intuition but it's ultimately your feelings and it's your stuff to figure out so and, and for us to be open enough to talk about those things yes. we can't be blaming each other or looking for the first out yes. of the conversation where it's not my fault it so, kind of goes in with the opposite assumption which is i have responsibility in this uh, like there are parts of this that are that are me yes i think the responsibility is a is a great great point and uh maybe just a couple of resources that i mentioned here for anyone who is interested uh we use a lot of what we learned from the nonviolent communication by marshall rosenberg the book. bergster The Bergster. Uh, Nonviolent Communication is a staple. It's it's one of the best books I've ever read. It probably will be a book I reread until my last breath because it is so goddamn powerful. And it's so hard. It's, it's so hard it's to such, do. It's a short and concise book, but it is super challenging in so many ways. Um, accepting that we have needs, accepting that we, you know, that we have expectations. It, it's... It's a very intense book. It's a good, great read, easy read, just challenging in the sense that it makes you really think and feel a lot. I remember I read this book and this is the first time, but that was maybe like two years ago. That is the first time in my life I realized I had needs. That was crazy for me. And that was like, just, just, I noticed it, just saying this made me remember how scared, scary it felt. Like how scared I was to realize I have needs. Like, wait, you mean to say that I'm not this like super massive tank that can just keep going until everyone else's needs are met and, and I don't have to worry about my own? Like, I, I just, Terrible. And as you go further down the rabbit hole, you realize a lot of the times that I, or at least for me, when I get have emotional reactions or I'm upset, is when my expectations of a situation are different than what is actually happening, yeah. which is pretty much all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But like when I'm really upset, it's usually because those diverge in like really opposite directions. Yeah. I saw this, uh, this meme where it was like two women talking, just a still picture. And one woman is asking the other woman, like, who hurt you? And the other woman's like, my expectations. <laughs> <laughs> so true. It's so true. All the time. Um, I think another Yeah, go go, uh, just another resource that I want to mention while we're on here is one that I plan on diving into, but uh, it's a couple of people that I really enjoy uh, use it a lot. Uh, it's called IFS, it's Internal Family Systems, and it basically applies the idea that we are not just one identity, one self, we have parts of us. And we are, you know, that we know that, especially maybe in the realm of food, you know, parts of me want that, but parts of me want that, you know, like parts of me want chocolate, but parts of me want fish. It's like, how do you decide between those two? And it's so it's like a, a system um, that you can use to make 
those parts talk to each other and and make sure that every part's needs are met. So we use that language also a lot, even though we haven't like this is not a resource we both have read. It's actually interesting. My mentor actually sent me in that direction just this week. Oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've been I've my the Amazon page with the book order has been on my computer for like a, a week and a half. So nice. I, I might, you buy it on your account then. All right. <laughs> um but so I think the parts language has been really, really important as well because sometimes I think when we hear someone saying, I feel angry, that can be pretty threatening, as if like their whole being is feeling angry, which usually that's not the case. Parts of me are feeling angry, while other parts are also existing, but they're really not on the forefront at the moment. They are taking a back seat because that part of me that's angry is taking a lot of space. And I think on our conversation about the vision that we had the other day, where we ended up arriving at this COO kind of realization, um, I wanted to keep going with the conversation, but there was a part of me that was like really, really triggered by something you had said, and I just couldn't let it go. And so I just, I went with it, you know, and I, it's like, it's basically the, the way we, we talk and communicate, I think is there's this space that is dedicated for communication and space and time. I mean, like a block of time that, that is going to be that. And we just talk about what comes up until we feel like we've reached some sort of resolution. But or this, we're exhausted. Or we're and exhausted. We need to carry it on another time. That that is another that is another thing. But also I feel like being exhausted is a form of resolution to some extent because it's like, okay, we've exhausted the topics that we could talk about. Let's carry on another day. And this is usually when one of the other key messages of this conversation plays. It's like we learn to give a lot of space and a lot of time to those changing visions, to those conversations, because we can't like we've been talking about these things for months now. Um, the selling the caravan, moving away, all these things like we've been talking about those for months, more specifically for the, for the last three weeks. And Every day we kind of chisel a little bit more and we get to maybe a little closer to a finished answer to some sort of resolution. But the reality is, and that is a pretty sobering reality, is that we're probably never going to reach any form of resolution ever. Like balance is an illusion. You know, you can only reach balance for, for maybe like half a second before it's a little off balance again. And sometimes it's really off balance. And then you have to do a lot of work to bring it back into some sort of uh, more pleasant state. But it's always changing. Like right now, we might feel like we have some grasp on the vision that we're trying to go towards. But how long is that going to last? Before well, and, we have and to... all, all of a sudden, the world changes a little bit. It gives us a few different things, and, and that changes things as well. And I think it's been key to recognize these as exploratory conversations and just give them time and space without the expectation of an outcome. Because then that can put pressure on it. It can kind of, in ways direct the conversation when it really needs to go somewhere else. Like a lot of times we don't really know where this is going ahead of time and and that can be the value in it, but it, that can also be frustrating if you're trying to reach a, a resolution too soon. Mm -hmm. And having done this for the last, like having especially worked on this stuff the last few weeks, I can see how if we hadn't 
talked about these things. And you know when you hit a resolution because it's a sense of relief. Yes, it's in the body. You just realize like, oh, and the world gets a little bit bigger. Yes. And you can see things in different ways than you were. And it feels like there's space mm-hmm. a lot of times. And it's really nice when that happens. And a lot of times the problem kind of stops being a problem mm-hmm. just because you understand it better. And then you can work, th- you, you can find new ways to kind of meet everyone's needs or, or you know, work through work through things. And I just realized how important this is. It's not something I would want to skip. Well, I, I, I do want to skip it. I want to skip it every day. Parts of you want to skip Parts it. Parts of me want to skip it every day. <laughs> and I'm part, you know, if you, if after this, you said we need to talk, I'd be irritated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, this is good to bring it back to real life. But it's been extremely valuable. And we're trying, I mean, this, this is at the core of the life we're trying to build with living in a caravan, with kind of doing our own businesses, with having this mobility that we're, we have is that, we want to be able to dedicate time for these things that feel super important to us. And that I think would really be the cause of a lot of conflict if we didn't, right? Like not directly, you because you wouldn't know, because you didn't have the conversations. Yeah. They would come up in other ways. And and you might stay on a surface level where you're just kind of fighting mm. a lot in, in tacky ways and not really realizing what's at the bottom of it because you don't understand yourself and you haven't taken the time to try to communicate it to your partner. And I, I just want to take a minute here and say that, like, I have a lot of space and a lot of compassion for if 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 you're listening right now and you feel like this seems impossible to implement in your relationship or this seems too scary or too difficult, or too ground shaking, or, you know, you might be exposed and vulnerable. I have a lot of space for that, to hear that and to feel that from from you, because I think this is normal and common that it would feel this way. It is scary to especially start in a really, like, even if our relationship, our relationship started on those principles and it was still hard as hell. And it still is to this day. There are still like really hard conversations. You say you get annoyed and you would like get like pissed if I said you, we want, I want to talk right after this. The reality is like parts of me often don't want to engage in this. You know, parts of me would prefer to just like kick back with a grenadine and, and, uh, and, and like a YouTube video or something <laughs> instead of having to come and get you and have a conversation that I know is going to last two uh, two to three hours. And so I think I understand. I understand that it can be hard. And I think w- neither of us on this want to come off as preachy or saying that we know or that it's easy. It's not easy. And I, I, I understand if sometimes that's just not what we do. I think we it's got it's become a little bit more unconscious as a process that we are willing to do it. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that each time it's any easier. In fact, I think I still think each time it's pretty hard and there's a lot of resistance to it. But I do think that some of the like some of the tools and mechanisms for how to do it have become a little more effortless. Like when I get into it, I have some tools available that I I don't have to be too conscious about using or I, I can use more skillfully than I used to. I think that's emotional intelligence. And another tool that I would recommend that I really think has sunk in 
and has really been a foundation for a lot of this work is meditation and but particular mm-hmm. types of meditation not just meditation uh, i've noticed it mainly in the zen tradition and vipassana and those two are related yeah. in a lot of ways but it's in the tradition of meditation where you're observing what is yeah. and you're observing what's happening where you're not trying to induce some sort of state you're not it, you know it's not transcendental meditation it's not you're not trying to do anything else than observe what's already there mm-hmm. and in those meditation practices they have given me the skills, really the skills to um, to have these kind of conversations that are really, really hard and to recognize when I can't have them as well, which I think is another important part of this, which is just recognizing when I'm not able to have them and when I need to say, hey, look, let's put a pin in this and come back to it because right now is not a good time. Uh, I'm, I'm not feeling up to it. But that... At, but not as a form of never getting to the conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah. As a form of honestly saying, we're going to come back to this at a better time. Yeah. I Thanks for mentioning meditation. I, I almost forgot. But I think this is one of the other main aspect of, like, if not the main aspect of this. It's like, yes, it's all nice to suggest that you need to communicate. But if you don't know what you need to communicate on, then this is where you start. We, I, as a blessing or a curse, I've always been pretty in tune with my internal world and my inner feelings realm. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very connected and I'm able to feel things easily. I understand it's not the case for everyone. And I think even for me, meditation has enhanced my self-awareness a whole lot. And uh, even when I'm not practicing at the moment, I'm not practicing and it has in the past and I know I will practice again. So it's kind of this continuing thing that's going on in my life. And uh, I think this is the, this is the part, the other key message, which is, Yes, you need to communicate. Yes, you need to give it time and space. But the main thing is you need to continue to commit to connecting to yourself and how you chisel your own visions as well, because it's kind of twofold. It's like you need to have that self-awareness of where you're at and your emotions to have those triggering, difficult conversation. That's one part. But then also a vision you have to develop your own vision on your on your own like it's only because you bring something to the table when you connect back with your partner business or relationship or whatever that you can actually kind of merge those two individual visions at, at least this is how we do it yeah, otherwise Maybe, you're going to be right where you left off yes yes and i think this is something i want to mention because i think we both have very different ways of getting to our visions as you said earlier mine is more like convergent yours is more emergent and i think respecting that we have different ways of getting to our visions and and chiseling those is a very key point of of all this is like I respect the way you do it and um from where I stand it seems like you need a lot of time and and I need a lot of time I also need to think through it I need to like work through it as an idea mm-hmm. uh and so this means giving myself a lot of time and not just any time but the, I mean like time with myself mm-hmm. so so that's a certain kind of that's solitude basically is to give myself solitude to kind of process things also internally and really think through things and and kind of explore some different situations and develop it enough where I can come back with something else to explore or to talk about. And uh, I mean, it really is a partnership, right? As as soon as you, it becomes 
a adversarial thing or someone needs to be right or mm-hmm. win or have their way. If they come in with an agenda that they're really not willing to budge on, they just want to kind of put it on the other person, then it's not going to work. It's a two-person thing. And if the other person's not also coming in and saying like, hey, I'm willing to hear what you're saying and I'm willing to change based on these conversations, then they're not going to work. Mm. The way I usually chisel my vision is uh, is very different than yours. I do need solitude. Like that is also a big thing for me is I need to be uninterrupted and be able to kind of daydream. But if you just take a snapshot of how it actually looks from the outside, it usually looks like me on my bed watching videos on YouTube or podcasts pretty much all day interspersed with naps Chocolate, uh, raspberries. Chocolate, like food, food, like as a hoarding too. Like <laughs> I like to eat when no one sees me and like just over preparing, over nesting. And so she looks like a rat in a cargo hole. <laughs> <laughs> so this is how it looks like from the outside. On the inside, however, it it gives me a lot of data for me to then like kind of nap on and then things emerge like ideas and things that are appealing emerge and it gives me inspiration that I otherwise wouldn't have. And another kind of essential part of my process is I like to go grab ideas out of the world in different places. I'll do a lot of reading too and stuff, just put stuff, you know, into basically into the box Mm -hmm. and then see usually what comes out the other side. Yeah. And we've kind of gotten to a place in this conversation, which takes us back to where we're at, which is, you know, my friend sent me a horoscope the other day, (laughs) and uh, I don't read horoscopes. Alistair is extremely against horoscopes. Yes, I have a problem with them. I'm grappling with it, but I just think it's like, uh, just, it's astrology, you know, (laughs) I I just don't have a lot of respect for it. But I'll tell you what, this horoscope told me I need to rest for the next three weeks. So I like that horoscope. (laughs) I think I'm going to go with that one. I was like, yeah, okay. You know what? This time, all right. If it resonates with you, then it's it's good. Yeah. This is the point, I think. And I think this is where I'm at is, uh, you know, we've realized a lot of the visions we had earlier or and a lot of the goals. And we're at a point where things are shifting. The, the things have changed, right? Like, we're at a place where a lot of the things are different than they were just nine months ago. And we're also at a place where we realized a lot of things we were working for. And... It's good to give time at those moments, to really give time, to just get a feel for the lay of the new land mm-hmm. and also start dreaming up a new a new vision. Yeah. And to communicate that if you're in a partnership, whether it be romantic or, or in a business partnership, because all three of those things are important, right? Uh, otherwise, it could be, you know, you can kind of feel like you're in the hamster wheel or you can kind of lose the motivation or the inspiration. I'm not sure why you're doing it. And uh, I think that's kind of the stage I'm at where I need to take a step back and, and dream a new dream. Well, thank you so much for listening. Thank you. It feels really good to know that some people are holding space for us to have those exploratory conversations. I actually really enjoyed it. I did too. And I hope it's been helpful. Yeah. And if you uh, feel like we didn't tell you what we were going to do once we sell the caravan, it's because we're not sure yet. 
So we'll keep you posted. We're swimming in the unknown, maybe. <laughs> Having lots of uncomfortable conversations. This is part of the mobile life, you、yeah. know, that, that doesn't get glorified.、Yeah. Is that a lot of times you just don't know what the hell you're going to do、mm. next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to be with that. We're figuring it out. Yeah. It's going to be good, though. I can tell you that. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well,、uh, you know the drill by now, but if you don't, Alistair is going to spell it out for yep. you. Yep. Number one, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed, all we're asking today is maybe you hit that subscribe button and you join us for next week. That'd be really nice. We'd like to have you there. We'd love that. If you're already subscribed, well. <laughs> <laughs> round of applause for you. That was, that was a round of applause. It was in a circle.、Uh, then we'd like to ask you to share it. Maybe, you know, we're terrible at social media. I actually just reached out to someone recently to help us with social media because I'm not on it. So maybe this time, share it on social media.、Mm-hmm. If you got something out of this or there's one you've liked recently, Why don't you plug it on whatever social media you're on and help us out? Because we're probably not there and we suck at social media <laughs> and we really need help. We're two introverts that really have a hard time promoting ourselves. Anyway, and、yep. <laughs> if you've done that and you want to do a little more, write us a review, please. We'd love to read it on the, on, on the next episode of the podcast. It always makes our day and it helps us get found by new listeners. All three ways really help us and、uh, support this podcast.、Mm-hmm. So if you do any of them, thank you very much.、It、thank you for being、us. here. Yes, and that is the most important that you share your time with us. So, and we don't say that enough,、It's、but、true. thank you for being here. Thank you. Toodles. Toodles. Toodles.